Chaplin. <laughs> Welcome to the market. Hi. Go ahead and park it. Hope that you are starving. Debbie Roots Deep got me thinking it's a parsnip. Every week I get knowledge to go. A year before everyone, how did they know? Figuring how they go college to pros. I pop it on listen and now I'm the pro. I'm still trying to grow. And they do the same. Hundreds of teams, too many to name. And yet they are filtering everything. Only the best, Shane Hallaman Kane. Marketplace, marketplace. Debbie is everything, marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Market Marketplace, marketplace, Debbie is everything marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Hey! Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Debbie Marketplace Podcast. Kane and Chain back with you today. No Nelly, he decided that his uh business life was more important than the Debbie Marketplace. Uh bit wild. Um so instead of hearing some wild things from Nelly, we're going to have a better guest on than anything that Nelly could provide. Uh, so this is a guy that Shane and I uh, have had some very late and uh, maybe alcohol aided conversations with uh, in Canton. But is our boy Chris Moxley at Chris Moxley 19 um, part of the guys over at uh, campus to Canton. So if you're not over there, uh, make sure you check that out. We're friends with all the guys over there. Um, sometimes Matt. We'll see. Um, but good friends with all the guys over there. So make sure you're joining everything that they do. But uh, Mox, thanks for hopping on. We're excited to talk to you about some uh, C2C strategy and some CFF stuff. Yeah, I you, you said it best, right? We uh, we had a great time in Canton last year. Uh, you know, some some like you said, alcohol fueled adventures, double double fisting some white claws and all that jazz, but I, I had a great time and I'm happy to be back on with y'all. It's so it's always a good time. I enjoy your show and enjoy uh, hanging out with y'all. Yeah. We're happy to have you. We'll hope yeah. You're going to be in Canton again that we can uh, get to it one more time. See some uh, interesting karaoke uh, numbers done by very old men. Perhaps again, we'll see what happens. <laughs> what a time. It was um, wild. What if it, yeah, you had to be there. <laughs> oh, <what laughs> it, was weird. it was weird and wild. Uh, but let, let's dive in, right? So let's talk C2C. Uh, um, and I think a lot of people kind of will do the initial idea of, of C2C and the initial draft strategy. But Shane and I are very interested in supplemental draft strategy in C2C because I think that's much different than, um, you know, the main thought of, of C2C. Uh, but right off the rip, Mox, what is kind of your philosophy? Let's say brand new team. Uh, what's kind of your goal for a brand new C2C team? Uh, just college. Let's start just college wise. Let's say the NFL draft hasn't happened yet. We're just doing college first. Kind of what are first thoughts that go through your mind when you're setting up either your board or, or your draft? Yeah. Um, Two things stick out to me, and kind of the way that I evaluate uh, my process. First is knowing the format and the specific rules of your league is so important. Like I cannot understate how much that changes my strategy. Right, so I, I I think about that as mostly like how it pertains to the tight end position. So like, is it too tight end? Is it tight end premium? Because that changes where I'm drafting a player like Brock Bowers. 
Jatavian Sanders, like those guys probably go higher depending on the type of format. And I'm already taking them fairly high. Like I am an aggressive tight end drafter, but I think that's really important. So understanding what the strategy needs to be when we talk about format uh, is one big portion. And then I am someone who likes to minimize risk basically as much as I can in these early rounds. Like I am not taking big swings on like hot new names, I would say. And, and, and so I, I want to draft players that I think are either going to be solid NFL picks or are going to accumulate value, which is why I am far more aggressive in drafting uh, rookies, uh, especially rookie quarter or rookie freshmen, freshman quarterbacks, like at a much higher rate than I think other people are willing to do so. And I think we're seeing a shift where they're going earlier in drafts and they had been, but, I am always drafting freshman quarterbacks. Like there's almost no way where they don't return value. When you look at the next year's startup or next year's C2C ADP. And then after that, I'm still aggressive with freshmen. Um, like through rounds, like 15, I don't really go CFF heavy to like rounds 15 to 20, um, which I think is a little bit departure of how most people play. I just, I think you can get values like in drafts. If you were really tuned into the CFF side of things. So I think this is um, maybe the first spot where I would assume Shane will disagree with you, and I assume that I will as well. But we won't get as much into the supplemental talk, Shane, because I, I will handle that next. But um, Shane, do you want to go first, or do you want me to share my strategy? Am I getting uh, roasted by both sides here? Because no. that's how it was just for. <laughs> that's, that's how we just pushed it to you. No. <laughs> You still, got, you still got ten or fifteen minutes till that, Mark. So we, uh, we, we'll, we'll hit that. No, I, no, I, I, I think I'll, I'll start. I look. I, th- I think, um, I think, Mox makes a good point. The rules are like super important. Uh, I think that tight end position being a great prime example. I also think waivers too. Like knowing, can oh, yeah. I just pick up guys like all season? Then you know, then maybe you don't have to worry about the CFF side as much, right? I can pick up guys all season and. You know, I don't have to take my super sleepers. I can, you know, hold off on that, etc. I think that's important too. I, I think when I do a startup, um, I definitely, uh, you know, similarly though, look look for value. I mean, that's what we're about here. Find guys that are going to increase in value that I can move, whether it be Debbie wise or production wise. Um, I, you know, I, I think it is important to to hit on and. Ultimately, you know, yeah, I'd probably start the CFF side a little bit earlier, but that, that's kind of my basic strategy. Like, I, I want guys that are going can kind of hit both of those things. I think we're getting to a point in how the NFL evaluates players uh, because of the analytics side, where a lot of your, you know, your Jordan Travis's, your Bo Nicks, your guys that could absolutely have Debbie value also have the CFF value. I definitely prioritize those players early in drafts. So the way that I view things, my first five rounds are Debbie, right? At least that's how I phrase it in my mind, right? So I'm just going basically off of my Debbie ranks, right? Because I'm already ranking for tight end premium. I already have Brock Bowers as my fourth overall player, right? Like I'm I'm already there. So I'm only drafting Debbie maybe five, it, depending how the round goes. If like a lot of freshmen that I wouldn't have drafted kind of go in, in that period, I might go Debbie maybe to round six, round seven. And then that's when those guys that Shane talked about, right? Your Bo Nicks, your um, guys that are are pretty close to the fringe, right? 
Um, so whether that is like a Zakari Franklin, uh, maybe a CJ Donaldson, something like that, right? That are that could have some NFL talent or some NFL, you know, draft pick buzz. That's where I'm drafting. And then after about around nine or ten, I'm pretty much all CFF after that. Um, because in in my view, like I want to take as many of those pure CFF shots and I want to do that more than the other people in my league. Right. Because I think I think it's much easier to compete year in and year out on the college side of a C2C team than it is on the NFL side, right? Either you're like, cause it's not like one draft can change a whole lot or one year can change a ton on your NFL side, right? Like realistically, most people are bringing up what four guys that might've gotten top 100 capital for the most part, like on average, maybe three, four or something like that. Not a ton. So the idea that you can just change your, your NFL side super, super quickly um, with just like one year bringing players up, I think is, is super difficult. Um, I think the best chance you ever had was after year one in a C2C, right? Because then you're kind of drafting them in that way to have that bump, right? To have them go straight to your NFL side. So like I'm in, I'm in one with, with uh, some of our good buddies and, namely uh felix but i'm not sure he's a good buddy if he keeps talking down to my picks but um i know felix will listen to it and he'll say something about it but uh you know i think after year one like i drafted Bijan robinson i like we knew that we wanted to go quarterback heavy on the nfl side because it's very difficult to find solid quarterbacks moving from your college side to your NFL side, right? Which I think is the best approach, by the way. Like, I, I going quarterback heavy on your the NFL side of your C two C league is like one hundred percent the move, right? And I think you have to because realistically, right? That's gonna if you don't do that, that's gonna force you every year to be chasing quarterback. Yeah, and that's gonna force you to draft like a Jalen Rashada much higher than it probably should because you're trying to chase that quarterback position to have as many shots as you can going into the NFL. So I think that's just a great idea overall. Um, but at least that's my view in like the main C2C draft. And now let's switch over to supplementals because I know that I do this much different than most Shane. We talked about this for about a year before I actually started doing this. Uh, and, the philosophy now is just take really good CFF guys. Like if you competed last year, take really good CFF guys early because there's a few that like stick out that I think are absolute steals every year. Like the fact that, so in the same draft, I drafted at 111 Rhonda Gadsden Jr. Right? Like he's probably what, if he's, Listed at tight end like he is in fan tracks. He's probably, what, a top three, top four tight end? He's tight end one or two, straight yeah. up. Like, so if you could draft him in a tight end premium league where there is basically four or five options that are consistent in all of college, right? Like, that moves him way up. To me, that made him a first-round pick, so, like, I took him. But our philosophy now is especially when I talk to Shane how many times a week. Uh, he, he's like, well, look at this draft that I just did. 
look at all of these CFF assets. Now I now get 15 CFF assets rather than hoping that uh, your favorite low four-star wide receiver is now going to hit, right? And, and the chances that they do that, not great, right? Shane, you want to explain kind of your thoughts a little bit more? especially when you're like NFL draft focused. Yeah. Like I, and I actually need to get in another startup uh, C2C. So if anyone's listening that has one that it's not, you have someone to vouch for the commissioner for you as commissioner, let me know. Um, I I do almost just want to go CFF because I I think we, you know, I think it's a little bit of a cheat code for C2C. I know, uh, you know, and, and Felix would say, and Mox, I'm really interested to see how, you know, how you approach and what you would say. It's kind of not the intent of a C2C league, right, to just focus on one side. But a lot of times, if you are CFF focused, you end up with NFL assets you didn't know were going to be NFL assets. You know, Tajay Spears was a guy I had on every C2C roster because I don't think he was going to be anything in the NFL, right? I was getting the points and now, boom, he's, you know, he turns into a top uh, top 100 pick and you're, you're in. So I think that happens more often than people think. Plus, you know, at the top, at the high end of supplementals, I'm, I'm with Mox. Like I'm taking five-star quarterbacks, especially five-star freshmen, running backs um, and some wide receivers. But if you have a guy like an Aranda Gadsden sitting there, it's like, it's really tough to pass up with the lack of tight ends. Uh, And he's probably going to make his way into the league. And then if I do that consistently, if I draft a bunch of CFF guys, I'm competing on this, the college side and you have a couple like a Tajay Spears jump to the NFL. I could trade Tajay Spears for supplemental picks the next year and have more. And now I draft more CFF players. Now I have an edge on the rest of my uh, league mates and I'm probably bringing in other guys that are going to replace him. And I can kind of continue churning a little bit of that NFL roster. I think he can stay competitive in the NFL side and uh, go for it in that way. Like I think it's, Really hard. There's some people that have done it and have done it well. Uh, Mox, maybe you're one of them that are able to do compete on the NFL and the, and the college side. I think it's rare that that happens to be like, I, I won both or, you know, that, that's the ultimate goal. I'm never going to be able to do that. I don't think, but um, you know, like, like Kate said, I, I am. So I, I'm playing to win in leagues and that's how I approach leagues. Some people approach for fun or they want, you know, to have that kind of ultimate victory. Um, so I, I really want to do a, another startup and go almost like full CFF and in supplementals, uh, outside of the first round. That's generally what I do. So let's hear it, Mox. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think the first round is a, pl- is a place where you need to get a high end freshman period. There are few instances where I advocate drafting a CFF only or perceived CFF only asset, I should say. A Ronde Gadsden at tight end in a tight end premium might be one of them though. Like that is a right. that is something where the player is reclassified his position and you're getting a top two option. So I don't want to I, I want to couch that in there are circumstances, right? Um but that's the round where I want to get someone like Roger Robinson is a, is a great example of a player that you can get in the late first round. 
that I think is like a smash option, right? As super athletic running back going to Georgia, I think he's going to be able to do something or at least a little bit this year. They have a, a lot of options in, in the running back room, but I, I think, still think he's really good and has the potential to be like crazy athletic if he puts it together. That's the type of player that I want to take in the first round. When we get to the end of the second, and hopefully that's where you're drafting, right? Like if you're drafting at the end of the second, that means you're probably doing well in your C2C side. I'm okay starting to take CFF players there if I think that they are high-end players. So I don't know that he's making it to the end of the second right now, but a player like Devontae Walker is on a lot of waiver wires. Uh, he wasn't picked up in leagues where you know, you've maybe less than four pickups or not on like no waivers and stuff like that. So like Devontae Walker is a player, uh, Alex Adams at Akron. Like those are play- uh, Luke McCaffrey is a guy that I think goes in the third or fourth round. If you're being aggressive, like those are types of players that I think can finish in the top 12 of the position and help you to the point where, you know, when you're picking the, you're picking like picks 25 to like 30, like that's not going to help you. You're not going to get a player there. That's, going to hit. So I, I honestly don't disagree with your strategy. I I think the first round you need to get a high end Debbie player. But after that, like swing for the fences with CFF, like we know enough to be dangerous in CFF leagues. Uh, It's it's startups where I am less aggressive, but supplementals, I'll do it all day. So I'm, I'm four picks through with this strategy, right? Get Gadsden in the first round, end up with Sia Bengura, the running back at Ohio in the second round at two sixteen <laughs> or two eleven at what two eleven he should have gone he should have gone way earlier than that that's a great pick uh, and then I ended up taking Joe Milton at the three eleven so whatever you another great like, pick okay and then Rodney Hammond at the four eleven no argument that's a great great start so like my thought right is. I was at pick 11 for a reason, right? I look at my team when you're already bringing back guys like Bo Nix, Sakari Franklin, Jalen McMillan, Troy Franklin. Like you're already bringing back like really, really solid pieces. And you're like half of your lineup is already pretty good already. Maybe it's worth just going CFF for a while and seeing that if you can compete again. What is... What is the uh, the pot split in this league? 50-50. So, yeah. So, that that's another thing, right? Like, some C2C leagues, I and mean, this is like an antiquated strat- like idea where it's more like 70% NFL and then like 30% college, which I don't think people are really doing anymore because college requires way more time investment so it should at minimum be 50 50 like if it's 50 50 i mean there's no reason not to just be aggressive with cff and i love that team that you put together which is just entirely cff like what if, if you are already that good and you're already competitive and you're just adding to the margins of your team and you're getting those players like why not it's just it it makes a lot of sense and i i i like Steven gore in the in the second at two eleven, that's that's a really really nice value. I, I think to me he's he's like he's worst of all right a top twelve running back in CFF like worst. Yeah, he's being drafted there, and all the CFF like, drafts him in. If he's healthy, right? If he stays healthy, he's 
going to be great. Caveat for every single player ever. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe some NFL upside, right? I mean, he banks out two more years of top production. Like, we're talking about a Mac running back that can go third, fourth round of the NFL draft, and you still ended up with the NFL asset that you wanted the whole time. I think Mox makes a good point of, once again, looking at the rules, look at the money split. If it's not 50-50, I do, I do, I think that changes things a little bit. If it's still you still in a 60-40 league or whatever, uh, I probably still wouldn't change my strategy that much. Like, give me the 40%. <laughs> like, I'll be fine. You know, if I win the 40%, yeah. like, it's still, it's still good. It's, I'm still coming out on top here. Um, so, so I think that's a really good point. Um, yeah, you know, I think people get bogged down just with the four-star – you know, freshmen, especially when you ta- start talking receivers and it's a giant list, like those guys may not play for three years. You can't keep them on your roster, you know, whereas some of the high end quarterbacks, like you said, hey, you know, we know they're going to appreciate in value because the five star Jackson Arnold's going to start in a year. You know, Nico Amaliava is going to start in a year. But if, if you don't know that, especially with the portal and how it is, like you can't hold a player in CFF it's, uh, in your CFF roster C2C for three years before production hits. It, it, you just can't, even if the roster seems big, it's not that big. It It is never as big as you think it is. It, re- it really think. isn't. That's what she said. Yeah. Um, I'm going to set up a specific scenario for you, Mox. Um, okay. That I guarantee you, other people are dealing with this exact problem, especially when supplementals are going to be happening from now until week zero, right? So my, let's say my rules say that you can draft until your team is full. Hate that rule, but okay. I guarantee you someone's listening, listening to this. I'm in leagues like that too. So I, yes. Yeah. And so like, oh, that's my rule. So here's, here's the question. You have a four-star guy, let's say four-star wide receiver running back, might still have an ambiguous path to starting, didn't do anything last year. Realistically, are you dropping that person? Because you can always just pick him back up in the supplemental. Yeah, in leagues where I can go uh, like as many picks as I drop just to fill my roster, I am more aggressive in cutting. A, a player that comes to mind in that specific situation is Andre Green Jr. out of North Carolina. Right, he did nothing last year, and he was raw coming out of high school too. Like I, I'm not sure I expected him to be on the field a lot. I thought he would be on the field a little bit, and it just tells me, you know, through spring this year as well. Like he isn't getting on the field. Probably a player that I want to cut, despite how much I liked him in high school. I am way more aggressive cutting those players because. Like you said, I can A, add them back to my roster, and B, I can add so many. There are so many good options out there. Like, I think you could go seven, 800 players deep in a startup right now and feel confident in players that you're picking. So I would not hold on to players if I'm iffy about their upside. And so player wide receivers especially who don't perform, quarterbacks who have a very murky future, like those are players that I'm honestly comfortable cutting. And I I if I if I'm so concerned, I will pick them up at the end of the draft. But if they're on that in that conversation that we're already having, they're probably gonna be available there. So you're not you're not losing all that much. And Shane, you know, we're gonna run into a lot of these 
where where this is the rule in the league, right? Where you can pick up until your team's full. And like I'm if I'm the only one still drafting, I might be the only one still drafting around 18, 19, 20, 21, right? Where like if I really want to get a player that I should have maybe cut, like a Maven Anderson out of Cal, like I could just pick him back up if I really wanted to. Right? And I could have done that in round 21. Right? Um, so I think this is definitely something that if this is the rule in your league, you 100% should be exploiting it, right? Yeah, I, I, I it. think yeah, I think you have to. Um, no, like Buck said, I think you got to cut those fringe guys. I think you can even take a step up to the guys that aren't so fringe or maybe are names that people could draft and it lets someone else fall to you. You know, if you have a Jermaine Burton on still on your roster, then just cut him. You know, if someone drafts him in like the seventh round of the supplemental, like, it's going to give me a better player for he uh, Jermaine Burton's a great example of a, by the way, I sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, no, 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 no. but I, but I love that example because he is the type of player where you just drop him and it's just like a bomb, right? Like you, like I have no interest in owning Jermaine Burton or like having him on my roster. What do I, what do I care? But, but those types of players are strategic drops in C2C leagues. Could people would draft them way above their ADP. Yeah, like people see the name, right? And they're like, oh, I remember, you know, Kane and Shane talking about this guy a year ago, right? So like, I'll draft him. And it's like, oh, you know, it, it, you're not up on it. I think that's, I think it's the way to go. And even if you lose out on a player that you did like, um, that gets drafted that you cut, like they're probably not that far above what you're going to end up getting for that, that cut spot. So I'm with both you guys. So here's the next rule to exploit that just about every com- C2C commissioner is going to be like, please don't say this, but I'm going to anyways, uh, because it's something that happens every single year and that one of your other league mates is doing it. And you probably should too. If a player is on your IR, don't move him off of your IR before the draft now i know that there's some leagues where they make you take everyone off of ir but if that is not how your league operates you should probably put more people on ir before the season ends because guess what they stay there they don't like get taken off of your ir and what does that do for you that lets you draft more players especially if you're in one of these leagues where you can draft as many players as you want until your team is full. Because let's be real, you're going to find one of those teams that has 10 people on their IR and one is still injured. No notes. If your league allows it, exploit it. Like, I, if your league allows it, like, what do... Just bend the rules as much as you can as long as it's within the league like guidelines. Like, what? Do it. Everyone else is going to do it. You might as well, too. Yeah. Even if anybody else isn't doing it, it, do it to the best of your ability. Like, this is a game at the end of the day, but there's also a monetary component. If it's within the rules, there is no problem doing so. Don't feel guilty about it. And I just did this in this league, and I also said in the chat, hey, let me know if we want to change this for next year. 
Yeah. Why not? Like, Why not? I mean, ex- exploit the rules of the margins if you can, if you think you're going to get a competitive advantage. Like, I, I don't think that's a bad thing as long as you're operating within the rules. Yeah. And obviously, like, this situation is one where you are. I like it. It's change a little sleazy, but I like it. Change the role. If they want to change the role, they can change the role. Like exactly. If, if they don't like it, I'm fine with changing the rule. Right? I'll even say, like, hey, let me know if you want this rule probably changed. It probably should be like changed. I mean, revisit. the best... The best way to manage it is to not do to not do that, and I have I, most of my leagues are are that way. But right, if your league allows it, take advantage of the like. Just take advantage of the rules. What does it matter? You're not you're not losing anything by by doing so, and other people are going to do the exact same thing, just like you said. And it just basically is a, just a whole other taxi squad, almost right. So as soon as the, yeah. you're about to set your lineup for week one it's just gonna say your lineup is inaccurate you have to take guys off of ir and then you get to make the decision on who you want to drop right so whether you finally want to drop uh rah rah thomas or not that's up to you can can i can i say what i want more ctc leagues to be on on the CFF side, specifically, a pure fight. I want more. I want more best ball. Yes, um, and I, I want more best ball because then, then I think you can build build your roster up, right? You can have some depth. You can have some spots for those freshmen, right? That aren't producing, um, and make that balance. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't. Know. It seems like both of you agree with me, but I feel like the college side to me is more fun when you have that best ball element in there. It it so. I am so glad you brought that up because I feel like I am the only person sometimes that wants Cam Scan to like actually be best ball on the college side. There, there's so much that goes into roster construction, period, that I think best ball makes sense. But the day-to-day and hour-to-hour maintenance is so difficult. I mean, we don't know that players are out until like five minutes post-game time. Two minutes before kickoff, like it's impossible to maintain this. And then Fantrax brought the like lineup substitution thing, which I don't like to begin with. I think it's just a way like skirt best ball. Like I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't just like do that solution. Ball, yeah. yeah, just do best ball at that point. Like you're, you're essentially just. I, I don't know. A topic for another day. But I, I agree with you. I actually think college best ball on the C2C side is the best way to do it. And you can still have waiver pickups and all, all of those things. But I, I wish more leagues were best ball as well. I would join more leagues if they were best ball. Like I don't like managing my rosters every Saturday morning. There's way too much that goes into that every single week. And at the 12 o'clock kickoff, the three o'clock kickoff, the 6 PM kickoff, the nine o'clock kickoff. It's, it's a lot more work than I think people want um, in general. And then all of a sudden you have a player on Hawaii and you're like, well, I just found my out. Three, my three, like 3 a.m. kickoff. Yeah, I just found out he's not playing. So that was fun. Like, and heaven forbid that you end up having a life and you're at that age. I know I am where I go to how many weddings a year? Oh, if you happen to be driving to a wedding, you drive into an 11 or a noon wedding or something. 
good luck. Good luck trying to find on your phone which player in Fantrax where you don't even get blurbs is going to be out. And if you do use the Fantrax feature, which is like that replacement feature, you got to set it all up. You got to spend like two hours setting it up for like the Matt guys that play post week seven. And it's on like Tuesday, you got to do Tuesday. Like it's play best ball or don't use that feature. I don't care, but at least pick one or the other and just go, go to best ball. It makes so much sense and it doesn't take any strategy out of the draft process. But I'm glad that we're on the same page because I go on Debbie debate. I have the shows that I go on. I am. I have so much pushback. So I like. I like it here. This who's is giving you the most safe space. Who's giving you the most? Yeah. Who? Who, right who is it? Let's. I'll give them the names. Letter. So so Matt and Felix are both Matt Bruding, Felix Sharp are are both, I think, staunch anti uh, best ball advocates. But there are a lot of people who are, and I don't. I I don't necessarily understand what the the argument against it is. Like it's just such. A more enjoyable experience for the college like fantasy player. I I I am in a more best balls than I've ever been in, and I love it because I don't have to worry about managing that team. I don't have time to do so, and a lot of people just don't have time to do so during the weekend. Nobody wants to spend their their Saturday morning like managing a college football roster more than at least more than 30 minutes and then having to check throughout the day. It's just, it, that isn't fun. I don't know. I, I, I feel very strongly and I feel like I am in the safest of spaces right now. Like I, I understand that someone might not want like Ashton Hawkins to all of a sudden from Texas state to put up 25, 30 points in a week. But guess what? You have as many players on your roster as they do. Do you think you're not going to have someone from East West Idaho University or some nonsense that ends up also putting up 25, 30 points? Like, it's going to happen. The, the argument really is that it takes the strategy out of the game, which I don't think is true in any capacity. I actually think it adds more strategy to the draft. But, you know. I still want to draft as many CFF players as possible because guess what I'm doing? Anyways, I'm doing matchups, so I want to have as many players that are good on my team as possible in CFF. That's what I would rather do. It's what I tried to do in the NFL, right? I'm. It's if you have defenses, you I will have six defenses, and I will stream them each week. So if that's what it, if that's what I have to do in the college side, fine. But I would prefer to uh, know if Garrett Trader is going to start every week, or if he doesn't. You know, which I might not get that notification. And there are schools who are notorious about not reporting until post kickoff, too. So, like, are we just going to accept that, like, that's a thing? And we have. A, a lot of people have. And, you know, it's part of the competitiveness of the game. But I don't think it has to be. I, I really do think that. Here's uh, one of those schools. Yeah, yeah. Minnesota is, is a good example. Air Force. I mean, there's there's a ton of Cal, a ton of schools that come to mind immediately. Um, I don't think it has to be that way, at least until we have some sort of better regulation of the gambling portion. So like when gambling becomes, you know, more structured or NIL becomes more structured or those sorts of things that we'll have 
an NFL type injury system. But until then, like I don't I don't know how they how you can feel comfortable. Um like I don't know. It's just not enjoyable for me to have to check every three hours to see who's playing and who's who isn't. Yeah. I I'm gonna make a meme when this episode drops. I'm gonna I'm gonna tag uh, Felix in that and then we're, we're gonna we're gonna gonna get him. We're gonna just need him with the best ball. And I don't, yes. I don't know if it'll ever be fixed. Like, I think because a lot of these universities are public, the, the FERPA laws can apply. Like, some of the medical stuff can get a little bit iffy. I will see. You know, I, I'm, I'm hopeful, like you said, Mox, that the NIL will eventually get us there. The gambling will eventually get us there. But, uh, yeah, I'm scared it's going to be a while. Just make the league best ball. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think we're a couple years away from that even being close to reality. But... That 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 is what will do it. Uh, gambling was what forced the NFL to like tighten up their injury list. I think it'll be the same thing in college, but it might not happen for a couple of years. This is a this is directly for Felix and Matt. So I'm just going to set up a situation that might have happened this past year. <laughs> so I had season tickets to the Gophers. I don't this year because. It's really difficult, right? You drive, I drive three hours to get to the stadium, right? Wake up at seven or eight in the morning. You get there. Uh, service isn't always great because there's so many people there. It's slow service on your phone. You probably use too much data for the month already. And they, you went over the limit and they just got mad at you and slowed you down. And then I couldn't find out that, oh, yeah, half my team got hurt. And I couldn't sub them out uh, because it was week 10. And the Mac had played. So I couldn't have set subs. I couldn't have done all of these things. Because at the beginning of the week, these players were, were supposed to play. And in the grand scheme of things, right, what is C2C supposed to be? It's just another place to have fun. Right? And, like having people get frustrated and all of these things because teams don't let other people know. Like, did you know that Mohim Rahim wasn't going to play against Purdue? No, because he dressed against Purdue. He didn't play. Right. Um, so those sort of things is what I think best ball immediately cuts out. And I think it's more enjoy. I think it's more enjoyable for the first-time player. The first-time player now has a much easier time doing that because they don't have to try and set a lineup before Tuesday or Wednesday if it's before week six or whatever, right? Like, there's just so many weird times that you don't think about it until you're, like, all the way in it, right? When you're so entrenched into college football like we are, to us, it's like, cool, another day to watch college football. To someone that doesn't play CFF or this might be their first time playing like it gets really overwhelming to figure out who you're trying to start so Felix Matt if you want to be in a best ball league we can start with and I love you both yeah anything else we need to talk about C2C wise exploit your rules win the league I, uh, the one thing I will say, uh, and I meant to bring it up earlier, but you know, we we got off on a 
tangent and what I think is a valuable tangent about uh, best ball and whatnot. Uh, the Mac isn't the only league that's going to be during the week in the fall. I, it's also the Sun Belt or is the Conference USA? I I get Sun confused. Belt, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. So yeah, the Sun Belt's going to be playing during the week as well. So like now you have. 25 teams who are, are playing it just gets more complicated in terms of setting your whatever system you're in um but the the one thing that i wanted to bring up earlier was that it can be very advantageous for or in camp scan leagues to understand your league mates and where their specialties are, right? So, like, I most of the C2C leagues I play in are C2C players, but we have, we have Devi people venturing in, and we have C2C or CFF players venturing in. And so, like, those, those people are drafting super differently than like your traditional C2C player is. And so, so as the format gains, um, you know, more members, the experience in the specific format is going to be wildly different. So understanding who is playing the league with you is, is a new and probably more important thing than it really ever has been. No, I, I think it's a great call, and I think it's a, important in fantasy in general. I think people yeah. don't put as much of a premium on knowing who you're playing against and what their strengths are and what their approach is and how they value players. I think in C2C, it is much more important to know where, where they're coming from. So, you know, if you, if you want a guy, if you want an Aranda Gadsden in your startup, like knowing your league mates and who's going to be approaching that player differently whether they are Debbie guys or CFF guys or have that C2C kind of focus, um, you know, wh- whether they're like super deep into the freshman class, I, th- I think is good to know, you know, like, like we do with Debbie, uh, sometimes you get lost in the weeds a little bit because you're in this so much. And if you're, you know, if you're watching 200 freshmen, like some of the guys over at C2C, like it's hard not to fall in love with some of them, right. You want to take them. Um, I think knowing that approach too is, is important uh, or, Knowing who they follow, even if it's someone who isn't, you know, a, a, an expert or someone that's talking a lot in the field, um, do you know their Twitter account? If it's a guy with 10 followers, go look at his Twitter account. See who he's, you know, replying to or who he's tweeting at. That's whose rankings he's using, right? Like, yeah, I think you can kind of get that edge, uh, you know, and I wish I had more time to do. I, I used to keep a journal on every league and every uh, league mate way, way back when I was doing Dynasty and um, I think it's C2C be even more helpful to do. I would have loved to see your journal on me. It's like, <laughs> he does another wild move. What's <laughs> going on? Looking at. This, this man traded a wide receiver for a uh, three bean taco dip. What is up with that? <laughs> no, I wouldn't put that fast, Kane. I think you might have done that before. Was the bean dip warm? <laughs> Like, yeah, of course. I mean, see, you're not you're not you're not trading a wide receiver for a cold bean dip. Come on. See, now that's a complete game changer. If it's cold, no chance. Warmed up. Now we're talking. Listen, I I I know what you're about. I'm not 
I'm not going to diss you say that you're training for a cold beaten dip. Come on. Like, I might trade, like, CEH for a cold bean dip. You know what I mean? Like, How, I mean, I would trade CEH for a, probably a uncooked bean dip at this point. <laughs> at this yeah. point. Just some raw beans. They're just, just a couple dry. kidney beans just spread out on my plate. Yeah, word. No, I... Trust me, I just love food. Um, but Shane, you wanna you wanna teach us something quick? Yeah, let's let's do it. Uh, so June is Pride Month. I think it's uh, important to recognize and talk about the, the beginnings of you know why do we celebrate Pride Month in June? And the reason is these Stonewall riots, uh, June twenty eighth, nineteen sixty nine, in New York City. It was gay bars were uh, illegal uh, at the time. And, you know, the, the NYPD basically was sent to shut these down and often, you know, arrest uh, people who were gay and lesbians and, and um, trans. And uh, they fought back. They, they rioted for six days um, and kind of fought back against the police and ended up getting some of the laws changed in New York City, which started to spread across the country to basically allow gay bars and you know people in the lgbtq plus community to be more active um one of my favorite instigators of the stonewall riots is marsha p johnson um she didn't start it but was heavily involved for the entire duration and is uh you know uh through through you know shot glasses of shots at, at in the, on the streets and a lot of crazy things it's cool to look up and see some of the incidents that happened and see like, you know, what, what people had to do to even get a sniff of rights uh, is important. So I think it's important to state in this month. Word. We love that. Uh, let's, let's dive into our uh, buys and sells here. I'll go first. And this is a guy I feel like I always want on my team. Um, I was just able to get him at three Oh three in a Debbie draft. And that's my boy, Troy Franklin. Um, I'm a big fan of Troy Franklin. Um, you have another year returning with Bo Nix. I think he's just continue going to continue to be better. It's difficult to see a time where he doesn't build on last year's season. And if he's able to do that, it I don't know how with the guy with that size and will test solid enough to get not top 100 capital in my mind. Um, Shane could tell me that I'm wrong and he could hurt my feelings for a little bit, but um, I'm I'm going to continue to take Troy Franklin wherever. Um, a guy that I'm selling right now, um, and I'm only doing this because Nelly isn't here, um, I'm going to sell Barry and Brown. And not because like he's not a really good player. Um he was just drafted right after Troy Franklin in this draft at the 304 ahead of guys like Zachariah Branch, JT Sanders, Katron Allen. Um, just some really, really good players. And like, I have a hard time seeing, not that he won't be solid, like, he's a very incredible player, but is that production going to be enough for the next two years? to give the draft capital like he at least has to have some production enough for um, his athleticism to win out at the combine because i think if you're just banking on the athleticism without production we've seen how many players try to do that and they always end up as day three picks or undrafted 
Um, so I think the in the production has to stay, and I don't know if that's going to happen with all the shifts that are that are going on with kind of what that offense and what that's going to look like post Will Levis. Um, my unknown stock is um, Shane, someone that we were talking about earlier, and that's Jonte Cook, uh, specifically Devi Wise for he's the wide receiver for Texas, the freshman incoming. Um, I don't know if I see a, a very solidified role for him year one um, with Texas. I think it's a little difficult um, because Texas has some good pass catchers. And I think they're going to rely heavier on um, JT Sanders and Xavier Worthy, um, especially as Quint Ewers needs to be productive this season, right? So I don't know where Jontae Cook comes into that. Like, I think he's a good player and he's incredibly fast and he's a special talent. But if he isn't, if he's one of those guys that ends up victim to just other people being good in front of him, like, where does that leave him in a Debbie draft? I know at least for a C2C, like, there's more hope, right? As soon as Xavier Worthy leaves, um, there's a chance for him to step in and then get some of that production. But if we're looking at no production year, like realistically close to no production in year one, um, finally starts to get more production year two. Like, is that who I really want to spend a Devi pick on? I think that's my question. And I don't quite have the answer for that yet. I I think it's fair. I mean, uh, some some of these you know freshman Debbie questions are tough. Um, I'll do mine next. I so the Phil Steele magazine uh, came out the online version at least at this point. If you've never checked it out, worth getting. It's a college football magazine, but um, they do have NFL draft rankings. Probably the first ones out there that have some backing of people in the know i, I know the guy that kind of leads as co-lead on that josh buchanan who's like super well connected so it's always a good thing for me to look and see hey is there someone you can kind of exploit in a debbie draft that's ranked highly here but isn't getting drafted in debbie uh, so my buy is a player that's gaining a lot of steam in debbie uh trey benson running back for florida state but i I've still seen a lot of people DM me like, oh, you know, in the fourth round, should I take Trey Benson? They're like, yes, yes, you should in a Debbie draft, even in a C2C even more. I think Florida State is going to be just a great offense this season. But he's ranked RB4 ahead of Travion Henderson, ahead of Will Shipley, ahead of Donovan Edwards uh, in the NFL draft rankings for Phil Steele. So he's probably already kind of in that top uh, 100 area. Um, I think it's worth taking. My sell, similarly, is Devin Neal, running back for Kansas. I think Kane's had him as a sell before. Uh, he's down at RB21 for this 2024 class in <laughs> Phil Stills magazine. Um, you know, a guy, a guy that I really liked as a freshman, had the injury last year, and we'll, we'll see if the speed is even there. I think it's still going to continue to be tough at Kansas, even with a much better offense than they've had uh, in the, you know, for the past 10 years. It might be one of the best one or two offenses that they've had at that school. I think I'd sell him. I think he's still a name that people are tied to. You can get a last round Debbie pick for him and just re-roll. I think it's the way to go sometimes. Uh, my unknown 
is Riley Leonard, quarterback out of Duke. Uh, there's been a, a, an article at uh, campusdecanton.com making the rounds from a certain Chris Moxley. Uh, we actually talked about it on our on our Secret Shopper podcast. Someone had a question about it. Um, so he- head to the Discord if you want to check those out, get an extra podcast every week. Um, uh, look, I read Mox's article. He, he could talk about it if he wants to. I, I think he made some really good points. I especially love the analysis um, and look, Riley Leonard for, he's a Duke quarterback. Like there's a pretty good chance he turns back into a pumpkin. I, I think box kind of outlined that potential being there. I don't disagree. He's six, four, two Oh nine has athleticism can run the can rush. Um, and, and you know, Josh in their rankings, Phil Steele have him as QB three in this 2024 class, uh, that he's looking to leave early and potentially a top 50 pick. I think there's a lot of risk associated with taking Riley Leonard as a Debbie player. So that, that's my unknown. Like, I don't know how much of a pick I would spend on Riley Leonard. Um, but I do think he's being overlooked in that QB conversation and maybe has a little more upside than we're giving him credit for. So uh, I, I'm torn. I'm torn on what to do. That was, that was incredibly kind about uh, my right Riley Leonard stance, which I, I think it's fairly different than yours, so I appreciate it. I was trying, like, I was trying, I was trying, to, trying to be kind. Yeah, you know, trying, trying to butter up the guest. Come back, I, I understand. Punch me in the face at Canton, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have, I have my own players, and I, you know, yeah. So I let, let me, uh, let, let me lay them out for y'all. My buy is Antoine Wells Jr., uh, the South Carolina receiver. I know that. I'm a fan, and Shane, I know that you are a fan and have been going back a year. I think we both thought that he could be a day two pick. Uh, I still believe that he's six foot, 205, 210. He kind of fits that mold that the NFL is looking for uh, in terms of size. And I don't think separation and maybe is his best attribute, but I do think with the ball in his hands, he's going to be a fairly special player. And so contested catches situations, I think he's thriving. I, I really like his profile for a player who can be a probably a round three pick. And I, I think that's all you're looking for in this type of format. Marcel, Bucky, Marquis Irving, or Marquis Bucky Irving. What, what, what is, whatever, we however you. We just call him Bucky. We just call him Bucky. Okay. Yep. Bucky Irving. Um, the dude is like 190. Like he's listed at 194 on Oregon. That feels a little generous. He's close, probably closer to like 190, to, to be honest. Uh, this dude is, in, in in my opinion, not a player that you can be drafting in the first five to 10 rounds of your Debbie draft. I just don't see legitimate receiver upside. And like that's really what you're banking on there. Like I don't think he's a prolific route runner. I, I think that he benefits a lot more from uh, checkdowns than he does be schemed up in the passing game. So uh, at his size, I, I think that he is such a risky pick and I see him going a lot of Debbie drafts. And that makes me uneasy. So he's a player that I'm trying to sell if I, if I can. Unknown. This is a player that I really like, but I just don't really know how to value to be honest. And that's Quinn Ewers. I've seen him as high as QB three. I had him going nine in my mock, my mock draft I put out like two months ago to Washington. Like 
I think he's a good player, but I haven't seen him put it together at the college level in totality. I thought that he has a really smooth throwing motion, like an Aaron Rodgers-esque like flick of the wrist. He gets it downfield. But he just struggled so mightily last year in, in intermediate and deep throws that I really need to see him do it and put it together to value him. And him going the first round of Kemp Scanton drafts concerns me. And, and Debbie drafts, he's going... The, the in the same spot and it, when you're talking about a player who has such a wide range of outcomes i just i don't know what to do with him because i think he's talented but i need to see it on the field before i get totally bought in and at the current price it's difficult to buy in there's no there's no you, you're investing in upside there's no at the current price there's no room for downside right in this same Debbie draft, Quinn Ewers went at the 203. Whew. Hot. Yep. <laughs> but that's what we have here tonight at the Debbie Marketplace. Make sure you're supporting our guy Mox at Chris Moxley19 on Twitter. Uh, make sure you are supporting Campus to Canton over at campus2canton.com. You can even support Felix and Matt if you want to. But that's up to you. Uh, but go ahead and support all the guys. They do a lot of great work. So whether you're just trying to get into uh, a Campus to Canton League or learning more about just a CFF straight league or even want to look at specific like college betting, things like that, all that is over at uh, campusdecanton.com, including like ADP and a bunch of nerdy tools that I will never understand that Jarek has made. Uh, so make sure you check all of that out. But if you're looking for all of our stuff, make sure you join the Discord wherever you're listening to this podcast in the description. Click on the free link and join us there. But on behalf of Shane and myself and our guest, Mox, thank you so much for listening, and we appreciate every single one of you.